Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino. Quick reminder to our guests that during season three, we are recording these during social distancing, so the audio might sound a little bit different. Today, my guest is student Jeremiah Owens. He's here to talk to us about being a non-traditional student. Jeremiah, welcome to the podcast. And thanks for having me, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. We always like to highlight different student journeys. We've had a non-traditional student on before, Kim, who's actually in your class, and she talked to us about her journey. Today, we want to hear about you to give students an idea of what it's like to not do a traditional path, to feel encouraged that there's no one right way to get to vet school and to hear about your experiences because you have some unique experiences, wouldn't you say? I, I would say that, yes. And you're actually the president of your class. So we might be asking you a little bit about what that means. What is leadership like? How do you balance an exec board position while in vet school? So first, let's go ahead and start off with, because when I think non-traditional, I think things like age. I think non-traditional majors. I think previous careers, and you're kind of hitting on all of those. So if you don't mind, go ahead and tell us how old are you right now in the middle of second year? I am 32. 32 years old. And tell me, like average wise, how old are the students around you? For the most part, I think the average age of my class is going to be closer to about the mid-20s, probably a little bit, maybe closer to 23, 24. There are a few students in the class who are around my age, but um, we're definitely the minority. Okay, I love the word minority. So what is it like to be a minority when it comes to age in the classroom? How have you fit in, would you say? I honestly don't really think it's been a problem at all. Um, I have an absolutely amazing class. We interact very well with each other. We bonded very well with each other through our first year. And so even though I can be up to about 10 years older than some of my classmates, I still don't feel like I'm that different from them. Okay, so then what would you tell our listeners who are maybe in their 30s, maybe they're in their 40s, and they're like, oh... I shouldn't go to vet school because I hear it every day. I hear pre-vets calling Mm. saying, you know, I'm in my 40s. I feel weird. What would you tell those students? Uh, It's something you can absolutely do. Absolutely 100% doable. I don't think that you should let your age hold you back because uh, I have seen people come through that were at least in their 50s, I believe. And so I don't think that there's an upper age limit to going back to school if it's something you really want to do. 100% agree. And from an admission standpoint, honestly, I get a little excited when I see older students because my thought is life experience. My thought is they know this is what they want to do because they've probably tried other things. So I love an older student. Let's talk about majors because that's something else that I think of with non-traditional students. What was your undergrad major? My undergrad major was psychology. Let's talk about why, why was it psychology? How did we get to vet med from psychology? That's a little bit of a journey. Um, when I was going through undergrad at Florida State, I, vet med was nowhere 
on my horizon at that time. I wasn't interested. Your father is a veterinarian. Yeah, and that's a little surprising, but I knew that life was leading me in a different path. And don't get me wrong, I grew up in that clinic. I, it was my first paid job was washing dogs and cleaning cages. I did homework in that clinic, but I just knew growing up that I didn't have the discipline and the drive necessary to make it through vet school at that time. And life was leading me in a different path. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that to me would speak to the students who maybe had a different mate. So, but are you saying it wasn't even on your radar? How did it get on your radar then? Mm. There were a lot of life events that happened. And I would say that it probably didn't even get on my radar until about, I think I was 28, when I really seriously considered, you know, vet med is something I could do. And I think that it was the fact that my father was a veterinarian that really led me to the world of vet med. Um, But it just, I don't know, something changed as I got older. It was just, all of a sudden it was there. Okay. Now with the psychology major, speak to, if you agree with this, that having a non-science, original non-science major, how can that help a student going into veterinary medicine? I think it's interesting to have the perspective from the non-science major because especially psychology deals with people. And I know that a lot of people will say that they are interested in vet med because they don't like dealing with people. They love animals, but not people so much. However, you are going to be dealing with people. You're going to be dealing with owners and you're going to be dealing with owners in all different spectrums of emotion. And so having that degree in psychology or some kind of other social science can really help with that. I love the fact that you brought up different degrees of emotion. So I too have a psychology degree and we learned all about people, how they react. And of course, it's not the same as that formal training of becoming a psychologist, but you will see clients who are really excited because you just helped their pet learn to walk again or clients who are really sad because you might have to perform a euthanasia. So having that human degree, that human experience, knowing how to work with others' emotions is definitely gonna be helpful for that veterinarian. So you have a non-traditional degree from, what, what year did you graduate from Florida State? I graduated in 2011. 2000, okay, so that wasn't that long ago with your bachelor's, but then you went on to, to do the post-bac to get your prereqs completed, isn't that correct? That is correct. So the problem with deciding to go back to school to go to veterinary medicine was the fact that I had none of the prereqs that I needed, none of the sciences. and so. I searched for a way to get those prereqs. And there's actually a program at the University of Florida that's a pre-health post-baccalaureate degree program designed for people like me who want to make a career change and go into some kind of professional public health school. And how many years did it take you to complete that program? It is a two-year program. I It took me a little bit longer. I did it in about two and a half years because I also had to um, become a non-degree seeking student after that program to get one of the prereq classes. Um, But it was about a two-year program. Okay, so students, if you have a non-traditional degree, so biology or animal science are the traditional degrees, you get something non-traditional, you realize, oh dear, I don't have these prereqs. You can choose to do them as a non-degree seeking student or you can find a degree program like Jeremiah did that's a post-bac program that builds them all in. So tell me about the post-bac program. What was it like 
having graduated years prior with your bachelor's degree and a non-science degree, going to school again, what was that transition like? The transition itself was interesting, but it was actually, it, it was different from undergrad because I was older and because now I had the motivation and the drive necessary to start tackling these courses. And so there were people in the post back program from all different walks of life. There were people who were close to my age. There were people who had literally just graduated the University of Florida with a undergrad degree, but decided they wanted to go back and get into some kind of medical school. And so we had a, a nice age range, but it really gave me the experience into taking these courses. And I don't believe I would have actually been successful in vet school if I hadn't have gone through a program like this beforehand. So if your undergrad degree was in psychology, which is very much essay writing, thinking abstractly about human emotion, there might be a right answer, there might not be, then jumping into this post-bac program that is all science courses chemistries, physics, biologies. Did science come naturally to you or was it a tough transition? Some of the sciences came fairly easy to me because I will admit that when it comes to biological sciences, I generally enjoy them. I enjoy things that I can touch, that I can see, that I can feel, that I can say, look at this, this is real. And I struggled some with my psychology degree because some of the courses that you take in there deal with these kind of abstract concepts. And I liked more of the neuroscience where I could put my hands on it and this is a brain, this is an action potential. And so it was nice to start taking some of these science courses, except for math, didn't like math, never liked math. But when we started getting into the biology and the chemistry and the physics, I really started to enjoy it because it was real. Okay, so it seems like vet med has always been a good fit for you. You just found it a little bit later. Okay, so we talked about age. We talked about having a different major. Let's talk about career. You had a totally non-traditional career before coming mm -hmm. to vet school. What was your career? I was a deputy sheriff. So my career was actually in law enforcement. Did you go right from graduating in 2011 with a psychology degree into law enforcement? Uh, pretty much. I did have to attend an academy. So you have to, there are standards in the state that you have to get. So pretty much the entire year of, of um, 2012, I was in an academy part-time while I worked to put myself through it. And I became a deputy sheriff at the very beginning of 2013. And talk to me how we even got there. How did we go from psychology to deputy sheriff? Well, I think that, remember when I talked about earlier how life was leading me down a different path, that was the path that life was leading me down. I think I always knew that was something I wanted to do. Just like a lot of our listeners are probably going to know that vet med is something they've always wanted to do. It wasn't like that for me. For me, I was drawn to the world of law enforcement. And so I think probably since I was a young teenager, I knew this was what I wanted to do. And so you were a deputy sheriff for how many years? About three and a half. Three and a half years. Are you glad you did it? Are you, or do you wish you had stayed in there a little bit longer? How do you feel now that you're in vet school and that career is now behind you? I am absolutely glad that I had that career because it really taught me 
a lot of life lessons and it helped me grow as an individual and it helped me grow as a professional and it taught me lessons about professionalism and communication and ethics and integrity that you just can't get in a classroom. Do you feel like having that experience as a deputy sheriff helped you for your vet school interview? I think it did um, because one of the things you have to deal with as a cop is uh, nervous type situations, kind of awkward situations. And an interview can be a little awkward and you're nervous because it's, it's not that you're nervous about talking to people, but it's such a big event that everything is riding on. You have worked for years to get to this interview and you don't want to mess it up. And so you're, you're nervous, but having the experience I had helped me overcome that nervousness and just communicate with them and just kind of be myself. Compare vet school to being a police officer. What are the similarities? Oh, wow. Similarities. So it's, um, It's different. It's, it's, there's probably more differences than similarities. Obviously, you're sitting here and you're doing these tough courseworks. One of the surprising similarities that I have drawn is that law enforcement and vet med, when you really boil them down to their most like simplistic things that you could boil them down to, really have to deal with normalcy. And so when we're in vet school, we're learning about the normal animal. And then we're learning about what's abnormal about that animal. And then how do we bring it back to normal? One of my jobs as a cop, when I got on the scene and something was happening, something had deviated from normal, I had to figure out what that was and bring it back to normal. And so to me, as I'm sitting here and I'm I'm going through these courses and I'm learning these things, to me, especially in the second year where we start learning about clinical pathology and general pathology and all these, all these things, they're clues. It's like an investigation and you're kind of starting to pick up what's going on and start to piece together the, the scene that you have to try to figure out what that is. That is one of the deepest things I've ever heard on the show. I love this comparison because in the first year we really do teach and emphasize what is normal so mm-hmm. everybody has that baseline and then second year where you are right now it's how what is abnormal and how do we bring it back to normal and like you said if a police officer is called to something something is not right something is not normal and it's the officer's job to try to diffuse the situation i would say that Another good comparison, one thing that's helped me a lot through the first year, through COVID, and also through the start of the second year, is flexibility. Because in my previous job, I had to be flexible, and I had to react to things that happened, and I had to deal with problems as they came up on the fly. And vet school is very much like that. You have to be flexible. You have to adapt to situations that come up. There's going to be technological problems. There's going to be issues with, you know, certain classes and you just kind of have to, to roll with that. And so that helped me as well. Absolutely. I, you know, the students who are listening, I'm going to guess 99.9% of them have not been a police officer. However, the students who have had a different career, just go ahead and think about what strengths and life experiences you've gotten from that career 
and you can apply that to vet school. So let's say that you are a server in a restaurant. You have to be able to handle stressful situations. You oh, have yeah. to be able to multitask. You have to be able to work with others. All things you'll have to do in vet school. A lot of our students come in with lifeguard or camp counseling experience. Same thing, you need to be able to work with others, communicate, keep everything moving at a normal pace like we talked about with normalcy. So um, whether you're a police officer or not, you're getting good life experience if you're a non-traditional student. You absolutely are. So Jeremiah, you're the class president for the class of 2023. I am. Talk to me about what it's like to balance vet school and being on the exec board. And how do you think being non-traditional helps you do that? I think that the life experiences that I've had as a non-traditional student have definitely helped me. Um, I have had leadership roles before in my career and uh, other activities that I did, you know, when I was younger growing up. And so stepping back into a role like that really wasn't that big of an issue for me. And the balance aspect of it is definitely a very real part of being a class president. You have to learn how to balance your duties and the coursework and not overextend yourself. But I have an amazing class and I have an amazing group of officers that do really well. So truthfully, there's not really a ton that I have to do all the time. Jeremiah, let's talk about the fact that you're a class president during COVID. So I feel like you're a diplomatic guy, so we're not going to get the real good dirt or gossip out of you. But what has it been like transitioning from in-person learning back in February to then March of the end of first year, going virtually. Now you're in the, everyone knows, second year at UFCVM is the hardest year. So we're about three or four weeks into school at this point, not even. What is it like being a president, hearing everybody's concerns and thoughts during COVID? What is it like as a student? Paint us a picture. It is a, it is definitely a time commitment. And so there are times that I miss out on lectures because I'm answering something or dealing with something, um, which is fine because we have the ability to go back and to re-listen to those. And so um, it really, like I said before, it's not that big of a time commitment, but you are as a class president, the first point of contact for the faculty members uh, for your instructors and then also your class to reach out to. So whenever there's an issue, you're right there in the middle of it. And a lot of it is about learning how to handle those situations and then where to funnel the proper communication to. So like you said, you're the first point of contact for faculty and students. So you're hearing, let's, let's focus on students, you're hearing a lot of concern, thoughts. Can you tell us some general thoughts and concerns students are having right now and how they're overcoming them? There was a lot of concern when the official fall plan was released by the UFCVM about how we were gonna be doing this hybrid learning method where our lectures are gonna be delivered live through Zoom. And we're still gonna have some in-person labs, obviously, but there was a lot of concern because some people generally do not do well learning in an online environment. They prefer to be in the classroom and learning in person, which of course we can't do. However, I am very proud of my class because they have absolutely risen 
to the occasion and met the challenge head on. And so far the averages on our exams have been amazing. Um, very, very, very good averages. And so I feel like my class, yes, it's a struggle. And yes, it is definitely been something we've had to adjust to. And there's had to be a lot of encouragement and listening to concerns and trying to relay those concerns to the faculty and then back and forth. But all in all, I would say my class has absolutely done amazing through this COVID era. Shout out to the class of 2023. What would you say to the students who are listening, who are um, feeling some trepidation about applying in a pandemic, going to vet school in a pandemic? Some of them might want to defer, might not want to attend. What would you tell them? Because you're living it. I would say that it really is, what do you feel you need to do? Because for me, as a non-traditional student, I've already told you that I'm, I'm a little bit older than the average student. And so for me, waiting another year doesn't seem like an option. I don't want to have to defer. So I'm going to plow through whatever comes my way and I'm just going to deal with it. If you have the option to defer, there is nothing wrong with that decision if it fits you best. Because at the end of the day, you know yourself, you know how you learn. I believe that if students chose to go ahead and take the online learning approach through this pandemic, they can absolutely succeed. But if they want to wait a year, if they want to take that gap year to get more experience, or maybe you get accepted and you find out it's still going to be online and you're like, no, I don't like that. That is okay because it's what works best for you. Okay, so Jeremiah, um Let's just talk about advice for pre-vet students. We always want to ask our guests, what advice do they have? And you have a great opportunity as a student guest, because a lot of our guests are veterinarians. It's been a little bit since they've been in vet school, but you're in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. So what do our pre-vets need to hear from you about advice for them to be successful in this program? I think that one of the best pieces of advice that I can give is that you need, especially when applying, when you're, when you are writing out those essays and then you get to that interview and you're sitting there across from these people, be yourself, sell who you are as an individual. Don't try to be something else. And when you actually get here and when you are in school, if you get that acceptance, there is a reason why you are here. You earned that seat. Imposter syndrome in vet school is a very real thing. And there are times where you sit there and you wonder, like, I feel like someone better should have gotten this seat. I don't feel up to par. I'm, I'm here among the best of the best and everyone is out here and they're acing all these exams and here I am struggling with this concept. But at the same time, you deserve to be here. And so keep that in mind as you go through. Sell yourself, who you are as a person. And then once you get here and you're sitting in the same seat I am, remember you deserve to be there. Wow, so encouraging, so helpful. Would you say that being a non-traditional student is an asset? And would you do it again the same way to get to that school now? It, well, absolutely is an asset. I would not trade in the life lessons that I learned or the experiences that I had because they truly made me the person that I am sitting here right now. 
part of me does wish that now that I knew that this was something I wanted to do, that maybe I had done it earlier. So that way I could already be out practicing right now. Instead, I'm going back to school in my 30s and I'll be 35 when I graduate and start practicing. But at the same time, no, I wouldn't change what I did or the experiences that I got. All right, listeners, whether you're traditional or non-traditional, accept the experience as they come your way, see how they're gonna help you tackle this beast that is vet school and continue on the journey to where you can say that whatever age you end up practicing, you're glad you found your way here. Jeremiah, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been my pleasure, Alex, thank you. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.